Mm. So, um, and there are other countries where, um, you know, maybe it's, 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 it's very cultural, but harmony is a bit more important. So take it slowly, make sure we know each other and everyone is comfortable with each other. Right. You're listening to Sales in Asia, your gateway to sales practices in Asia, and I'm your host, Benny Tan. Today, we're speaking with David Nevin, the president of Scheffler, a leading global supplier to the automotive and industrial sectors. David heads the industrial and aerospace business for Southeast Asia and Asia-Pacific region, respectively. We're thrilled to have David as a guest today. He has more than 30 years of engineering, sales and business leadership in the Pacific, Germany and Southeast Asia. The theme of this three-part series is Selling in Southeast Asia Pacific, a region of diversity. In the first of three episodes, we'll hear why David went to sales from engineering, how it's a path to leadership and dealing with Asian customers and cultures. Are you ready for a jam-packed episode? Let's get started. So today we have uh, David Nevin, a president uh, with Scheffler. Thank you very much, David, for, for joining us on this podcast. Uh, let's hear a little bit about yourself. Yeah, Thank you very much, uh, Benny, for inviting me. Um, yeah, my name's David Nevin. Um, I'm a uh, mechanical engineer who later went on to study uh, business and particularly marketing. Um, I'm um, working for our uh, company Schaeffler, uh, a glo- global German company, mm. and um, I'm responsible for the industrial business of Schaeffler in Southeast Asia and Pacific. Okay, You're right. So, and you know, I, I, I look at your, your profile, you, you know, not only have been, not been Schaeffler with uh, 24 years, but uh, you've been in the industry for about 30 over years, right? So, you know, so you've been you know, mm. more, than 30, more than 30 years. And you have, uh, like you said, you move from being an engineer into sales. You know, you, you also had a, have a diploma in, uh, in marketing, I believe, right? right? And then you led uh, sales uh, organizations, and then finally today you're a business leader and leading your business units. So the first question I have for you is, why did you go from engineering to sales? Yeah, look, it's a great question, Benny. And um, I started studying mechanical engineering um, in my 20s when I was living in New Zealand. And when I graduated, I thought, hmm, I'm going to be quite a hotshot engineer. I got very good results (laughs) in my engineering degree. I got honors and and I thought, wow, I'm going to be a very cool engineer. But actually the reality I found was something completely different. Oh. that when I came to look for engineering jobs, right. I really struggled to find something uh, at that time which was really interesting to me. Mm. And I found, um, I guess, partly a personality thing, but I found a kind of niche working in sales roles. Right. Okay. So uh, I really liked interacting with people, understanding people's needs, and then using my still engineering skills right. to try to adapt our products to our customers' needs. Okay, you know, and I, I I worked in sales for quite a number of years, and one of the things that I've always been impressed with are actually engineers or pre-sales engineers who then went into a sales role, mm. right? Because they have both the subject matter expertise, right, mm. product and technical expertise, and uh, and you are right because uh, you know it's it's also quite noticeable that one of one of the traits that make them want to go into sales is the ability to actually 
interact with customers very easily, right? And work with people very easily. So, you know, obviously I, I've known you for, for, for a couple of years now and I see that in you. So that's an interesting story about how you actually moved from engineering into sales. And um, if you were to look back and say that, you know, if I had to study all over again, would you go in and say, for example, study business instead of studying engineering? If you will, if you will be able to wind, you know, wind back time. Yeah, actually, no. <laughs> I, I, I'm. I think it was a good, good path to take. Okay. I think it's it's much easier to add on sales and marketing education mm. afterwards as a second topic, rather than trying to add on engineering competence later on. Mm. So I always consider my engineering studies as a kind of a foundation, and which I still use today. I mean, in, uh, we, we, we today sell uh, engineered products. Right. Know? So you need to know your engineering basics to know your products well. Okay. So we, we like to know a little bit more about uh, Scheffler and especially the role that you're, that you're, you're doing uh, right now in a, in a little bit. Um, but uh, before, we go, before we go there, you mind if I ask you, why did you agree to actually come on this podcast, you know? Yeah, um, well, as you said before, Benny, we've known each other for a couple of years. Um, <laughs> that helps. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I also um, remember when we first met, and I was at that time exploring the topic of uh, sales enablement, mm. and that's how we got introduced. And uh, this topic of sales enablement and even our first conversations still really sticks with me. And what I recognized when I worked here in this business that I always saw people finding a lot of roadblocks mm. into why they could not achieve sales. Right. It was always why can I not achieve the sale, not what do I need to achieve the sale. Mm. Yeah, so um, as, as I saw and followed your um, uh, various postings and LinkedIn and so on, I recognized that this is really an ongoing topic. And um, you know, what I wanted to do was to consider how I could share my learnings of um, of three and a half years now working in this market of Southeast Asia for mm. your um, Doing Sales in Asia series. Right, and thank, thank you very much for that. And uh, the theme that we have actually agreed on is uh, selling in Southeast Asia Pacific and the region of diversity, as you call it. And indeed, it is a very, very diverse region. So let's uh, jump into a few uh, burning questions that we have, you know, that, uh, that could be of interest uh, to our listeners as well. So, you know, we, we answered a you answered a question about why you move from engineering and into sales, and of course, that is a that eventually helped you transition to where you are today. So, a question that I would have personally is this: you know, is um, is sales the best role in terms of career path to start off with in order to be a business leader, right, or at least at the top of an organization? In your opinion, yeah, um, I think the the idea of going into sales is it's a different mindset to being an engineer yeah so how so because you mm. you're not always thinking about the strength of something or the dynamics of a machine or thermodynamic properties whatever you're actually think, trying to understand what does my customer need mm. and i think this is the foundation for coming into a business leadership mm. i mean if you aren't addressing what your customer needs then your business will, will, will not go far. Yeah? You have to be willing to understand what your customer really needs. And this is what I've enjoyed. And 
you know, coming from a basis of, of working in sales, mm. I then went on and said, well, actually, I need to re-educate myself. So I had my engineering degree as the basis. Mm. And I said, if I want to go further in this field, then I need to understand much more about market management. Mm. That's when I started then, when I was around 30 years old, to do my uh, postgraduate business diploma right. in, in marketing. Okay, okay. I think that's interesting. And uh, you've been in a leadership position for at least a good, you know, 15, 20 years uh, by now, right? And uh, you have probably long left the the the, f- the customer-facing sales role, right, since mm. then. But you are now a leader. So what would you say would be a difference between um, in terms of uh, the competency and trait that you need to have to transition from a sales role, a customer-facing sales role, into one of a leadership role? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm one to really stick to the basics. Yeah. Mm. So if you've been involved in sales, if you've been customer-facing, I think you can also appreciate what your sales guys have to go and do. Mm. The challenges that they will face the kind of um, pressure that sometimes comes from a customer, mm. um, maybe maybe the 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 way of um, talking to a customer, the way to ask the right questions, mm. the way to get the right answers, to enable you to um, give the best offer to the customer. Right. Yeah. So I think coming from that background of having done that before, I have a very good level of appreciation of what our sales guys have to face on a daily basis. In your organization and your experience today, you know, when you move people from from a customer facing role like in sales role and graduating into a sales management role, what type of transition do they have to go through in terms of I mean what kind of support do you provide them yeah. to make sure that they're actually transitioning well into a leadership role? Yeah, so um, within Scheffler, um, being a multinational corporate organization, we mm. have lot of training programs available for our staff. Mm. So there's many uh, different leadership um, trainings that, that they can go on. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes can be very, very specific we want, what we want to do. We might mm. engage an external supplier for that to help us with the trainings. But the main uh, idea is to really equip them with the skills they need to then lead the team rather mm. than being the one just doing the customer calls themselves. Okay. Okay. And and that's quite a bit of a mindset change, isn't it? Because I think one of the common things that we usually hear from other people is how a good salesperson is not necessarily a good sales manager, mm. right? And that uh, that ability to actually adapt from customer facing to you know uh, non customer facing and managing a, t- a team is is very different, and you need to have a very different skill sets as yeah. well, right? I think as a sales guy progress in their career, mm. they as they build their confidence and their skills, they're able to take on more sophisticated customers. Mm. So they're able to build up their competency and then at a certain point, it becomes much more strategic how you approach the customers, especially a customer which might be um, multi-country, multi-site, especially in business to business, you have a whole buying circle within those customers. Mm. So when you see the people who are, let's say, developing and developing that capability to deal with a customer of that complexity, mm. then you know that they really have the right thinking to right. move to the next level and to lead then sales teams.
I do have a, a few more questions just regarding your current role now mm-hmm. before we jump into uh, into a few other things like for example adapting to change mm-hmm. and uh, how you uh, you know which and the the main topic that we're going to talk about how do you manage diversity in uh, region like in Asia right so before that um, how was that um, how much time do you, today in your role do you spend with the sales leaders and with the sales force yeah I, I I would say um, I split my I try to split my time more or less 50-50 between thinking about the future of the business mm. And 50% thinking about the operational part of our sales business. Right. So making sure on the operational side that I'm connected to the teams, mm. that they know that they can approach me mm. for any challenge. And we have set up a lot of regular communications to enable that that um, approach mm. so that there's, there's no restriction for any of the people from our sales organization to reach me some way. And okay. um, I really consider that part of enablement as well it's like an open door policy yeah style. absolutely this is very much my style uh, i'm i'm more of a collaborative um leader in the team uh, not so much dictating how things should be but mm. more or less trying to collaborate and continually build my understanding about the market mm, okay and 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 obviously i think that that style of working has uh, has worked well for you so i think when you started you you moved from uh, germany to come to singapore about three and a half years ago yes so what was it like you know working going from a, uh, a very european-based you know culture versus the asian culture i mean Let's let's start with what were some of the initial perhaps struggles that you had to overcome yeah. right before when we were adapting. Yeah, so I, I lived in Germany for four years working wow. working for Schaeffler. So this was also a tremendous experience, mm. and in some ways actually a dream for me to have the chance to to live and work in Europe. And I had one main goal when I was there in Europe is right. to get a perspective of our global business. Okay. And actually, I got much, much more than I ever expected. So I was given responsibilities there um, on, on a global basis, which um, were much more than I expected and was an incredible learning experience for me. Mm. But what I was able to do was bring that experience with me to the market here and to try to make good decisions for the business when I came here. Mm. So that was sort of what I brought with me. Um, having previously worked in Australia and New Zealand, um, I already had a lot of connections to our Southeast Asian community. So mm. it was not completely foreign for me. Mm. But arriving here, I, I, I was a, a little bit shocked in the beginning yeah. about maybe what you see from headquarters and what happens reality on the ground, two completely different things. Okay. So yeah, I, I, um, I recognize that Southeast Asia is definitely not one culture. Yes. For a start, it's many <laughs> cultures. And every country, uh, you can define a sort of behavior, typical behavior in the way you're doing selling, negotiating, even mm. pricing, um, is all a little bit different country to country. Right. And of course, you've got your languages. So mm-hmm. let's say in Southeast Asia, English is maybe the second or even third language for a lot of people. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there's always a bit of a language barrier. So you have mm-hmm. to make sure your communication is very clear, mm-hmm. um, and you've got a little bit different, I would say, behaviors of the people. You know how they want to negotiate with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, some of them are, um, you know, 
trying to put a thumbtack in the wall using a very heavy hammer. Right. Yeah. Are you uh, talking about the customers or are you talking about your salespeople negotiating with you? The customers. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I love them, of course, but um, right. there's different styles you mm. have to appreciate. And mm. yet there are other countries where um, speed is the most important thing. Right. So they expect you to answer, to have the answer back the same day or first thing the next morning. You know, right. if you have a, a tricky inquiry, you have to work out a whole proposal. Speed mm. is critical. Mm. So... Um, and there are other countries where, um, you know, maybe it's, 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 it's very cultural, but harmony is a bit more important. So take it slowly, make sure we know each other and everyone is comfortable with each other. Right. So very, very diverse uh, mm. in terms of the, the behaviours. And, um, and then, of course, you, you, you add on the diversity of the region yes. <laughs> in, in terms of, you know, the market, you know, coming from... Um, uh, heavy industries mm. in Asia, for example, machinery which makes cement for all the infrastructure projects that are going on in this region. Right. Huge machines down to um, small machines for um, uh, uh, door opening mechanisms, for right. example. Mm-hmm. So it's such a diversity, you know, and then the other direction, we, we, we also participate in the motorcycle business. Mm. So, and, you know, there's there's some... Uh, 12 and a half, 13 million, 12 and a half to 13 million motorcycles produced per year in Southeast Asia. Okay. An incredible yeah. number. And yes, of course, they all need our products. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and then going into some extremely high tech parts of the market, you know, like in, in uh, for example, in Singapore and Malaysia, we have an industry which is um, supplying machines to the semiconductor manufacturing. Mm. Yeah. So here, um, an incredible diversity of demand. So you have to really try to understand that market and decide where am I going to focus my resources. Hmm. It's not so easy, actually. So, so how do you, you know, so did you put in place a system to actually make that kind of a decision or is this yeah. is still a, um, a, um, a work in progress? No, no, ab- absolutely. <laughs> um, I mean, of course, uh, you know, the, the business has been established here for some time right. in Asia. So based on the established base, we had a, a reasonable market model. Right. So we understood how to um, segment the market. Uh, I mean, from a global perspective, we have a certain segmentation. Mm. And that's one of the keys to, to being successful here in the market is to be able to break the market into manageable pieces, right. pieces that you can understand. Mm. Then from that, you can decide uh, where you want to focus. And you can also decide, um, do we need to do more from our product perspective or maybe our capability perspective in order to be more successful in those target sectors? So in other words, how to make them more attractive. That was the end of part one of our session with David Nevin of Scheffler. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you in part two of Selling in the Southeast Asia and Pacific, a region of diversity. You have been listening to Sales in Asia.